And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, at least for a while. Um, uh, some of these movies may not be <laughs> as fun to talk about as others. Um, but we're just going to dive right into it. We've teased it. We've talked about it. We're going to be diving into the Halloween franchise, but we're going to sort of frame it around our review of Halloween kills, which we're going to, you know, obscure some information for now, but it just will kind of fit into the discussion. So we're not going to go movie by movie like we did for the Friday the 13th episode. As much no. as that was a lot of fun, if you listen to it, it was really long. So we're not yeah. going to do that <laughs> this time. Um, but so we are going to do that uh, for how we're just going to get into Halloween kills. Uh, we are going to do a non-spoiler and a spoiler section because it is a brand new movie. It is currently out in theaters and on Peacock Premium. Um, but before we get into our non-spoiler thoughts on Halloween Kills, Chris, I figured I'd start and ask you sort of what your history and relationship with the Halloween series is. Uh, shit, yeah, dude. Uh, so Halloween was the first horror movie that I was allowed to watch. Uh, as I've said wow. before on the show, I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies, but when I was pretty young, my dad has this thing where he will remember that he likes a movie, but he can't remember what actually happened in the movie. Uh, he just remembers that he likes it. So he has a track record of like one time when I was very young, he rented a friend in my uh, friend in me, uh, Caddyshack, um, for a sleepover because <laughs> he remembered it being a really funny movie. And we were like eight and there was boobs in it. And uh, it was a really awkward thing because he was like a, a church kid. Um, but he he does that all the time. It's a sort of a thing that we rip him about. And, and when I was very young for Halloween, he rented the VHS tape and we watched it. And I remember just having the absolute shit scared out of me. Um, but I was in love with it. I, I, I've, I love Halloween is still one of my favorite, not just horror movies, but favorite movies overall. Um, I watch it every year for the season. Um, I think I can probably speak for the both of us when I say the series, not so much, uh, which I, th I think is why we decided we weren't going to do the beat by beat with, you know, like we did for Friday the 13th, because I mean, although uh, Friday the 13th, uh, I, it doesn't have any movies in its lexicon that are you know up to par with the first Halloween movie. I would venture to say that you probably agree with me in saying that Halloween in terms of overall quality is the worst of the big horror franchises. Um, it, Halloween is, you know, of course, fantastic. And then the rest of the series isn't even necessarily diminishing returns. So you've got like the oddball three um, and I really don't like any of the rest of them. Yeah, I, I, I lot there. So um, for sure, I will, I will concede that I think of like AAA horror series. I mean, there are worse mm -hmm. horror series 
evil sure. bong puppet master <laughs> leprechaun yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know but like as far as if you're talking in like terms of like nightmare on elm street friday the 13th child's play even right um you know just to name a few then yes as an overall series i would probably rank halloween pretty low uh on that um it's it's yeah i my relationship with the series as a whole is relatively new until 2018 mm. when the first of these david gordon green ones came out i did a piece for the playlist.net on the series and so i watched all of them but prior to that i'd only seen the original which like you i saw it when i was young not not eight that was that movie <laughs> for me was like nightmare on elm street like i watched that movie super young but like a few years oh. later i watched halloween and i think on tv uh but it was on like ifc so it was uncensored at least um but I, I I love the first Halloween. Like 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 you, it's it's it's. I watch it. I try to watch it every Halloween on Halloween. So in prep for this series, I did not watch the first one. I mean, number one, mm -hmm. I didn't feel I had to. I know it like the back of my hand. But number two, I'm gonna save it for. But uh, you're listening to this episode on October 29th. I'm gonna save it for Sunday. So yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, but prior to the first David Gordon Green one, I'd only seen the original. And the two Rob Zombie ones, because I was a projectionist at a movie theater, so I saw them that way, um, which, you know, we'll kind of touch on those as we go along, but I'd only seen those ones. So as I went through the series and like went through the series, like not in one day in one sitting, but like pretty close one after the other after the other. It's like it's like watching a slow moving train wreck. Like it's just like watching. <laughs> it's like it kind of teeters off the track and then just uh, it just completely falls yeah. off. Um, you know, I I like a couple of them outside of the first one. Um, I know you and I have a probably like a little bit of of a split on two, the original Halloween mm. two. Um, I, I have a weird sort of like, I think as a slasher movie, like just if you view it as just a slasher movie, like it's a pretty well-made slasher movie to me anyway, um, because it's like, because I watch trash. So like, I'm like, this is a pretty well-made slasher, but it's a not a great sequel to Halloween. So the two no. kind of wrestle within me. Uh, and of right. course, I do like Season of the Witch, uh, which is, you know, of course, the, the anthology, the, the attempt at making Halloween an anthology that backfired spectacularly back in 1982 oh, yes. which then led to you know 1988's the the curse uh not the curse that was six uh the return of michael, return myers, of michael myers right there in the title the fourth halloween came out the same year as the fourth nightmare on elm street hmm. Halloween had a six-year head start on nightmare on elm mm -hmm. street and the seventh friday the 13th i want to say Oh yeah, because they were cranking them out by that time. Yeah, absolutely. So oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so now we're here. Um, you know, 2018 Halloween uh was a you know, was a complete sort of reboot. I mean, if you're listening, you probably already know, but it was a it was a right. it disregarded all the previous sequels. It's only a direct sequel to the 1978 original John Carpenter film. It takes place 40 years after the fact. Um yeah, you know, basically about generational trauma. The first one, pretty much with the Strode family, Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis reprising her role, and mm -hmm. then the, how that has trickled down to her family. And this one, Halloween Kills, uh, I would say is more uh, generational trauma, but spread out to Haddonfield as a whole. Still mm -hmm. sort of reckoning with this incident that happened Halloween night 
40 community years trauma it's communal trauma yeah absolutely yeah. so um i think we you and i would both agree we as far as sequels are concerned i think we both liked the 2018 halloween um yeah, yeah i think so and so with that um we'll get into non-spoiler thoughts here but what did you initially think about halloween kills uh initially what i thought about halloween kills is i i left the theater overall positive on it i i i don't i don't exactly want to get on a tangent of what i didn't like and what i did like so we'll get into that discussion but i think what you and i had discussed um uh, before getting on mic is the, the 2018 halloween was a good halloween sequel in that it was basically the force awakens of the halloween franchise is it was it was just a, a soft reboot it took the right ideas and, and continuations that you needed from the 78 original to make a fun slasher movie that didn't completely shit on the franchise or or go batshit off the rails like curse of michael myers or anything like that so as far as a halloween sequel is concerned it was a very good halloween sequel the way that i felt about halloween kills is that it is a pretty bad Halloween movie that is wrapped inside a fantastic Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> that was something that was not discussed off mic. That's, that was that's, not discussed. I was, waiting, I was waiting for the episode. That's brilliant. Um, no, I think I think you're spot on. And and um, I will say I'm I'm pretty mixed on the movie. And and it's interesting because there is so much contention around mm -hmm. halloween kills and it's like i, I like I've, I've heard people who are bigger fans of the series overall than you and i be like well it doesn't feel like a halloween movie and it and, and certain things like that to which you know not to people could feel what they feel but when i first mm -hmm. heard oh it doesn't feel like a halloween movie my initial response was well good have you seen the other <laughs> halloween movies outside of the first one they they cool, largely suck <laughs> yeah so i'm like okay <laughs> cool that that's I, i'm actually intrigued by it and of course my biggest draw to the, the the 2018 one from the start was that David Gordon Green was directing it, who for mm -hmm. my money is, you know, I'm not going to say like the best working filmmaker, you know, or get like hyperbolic like that. But I think his like eclectic mix of film and that he wants to put his hand in different pies, you know, starting out with, you know, terrific indie dramas like like all the real girls and George mm -hmm. Washington and Snow Angels and then going into like studio comedies with Pineapple Express and working with Jody Hill on Eastbound and Down and then, right. um, you know, and then just doing, uh, you know, just all kinds of different things and then tackling the Halloween series. I was like, okay, well, you you got me. I'm intrigued. And right. like you said, I think it's a very much a Force Awakens-y kind of approach. Halloween Kills and also, if you want to go that analogy route, Halloween Kills is a bit in its in its contention with people, the last Jedi of the Halloween franchise. Yeah. It's sort of kind of deconstructing ideas and motifs and things that you come to expect from these movies it doesn't do it as elegant as ryan johnson's star wars sequel i would say but it at least i think attempts to do that um sure. and i have a lot more thoughts to say in spoilers but suffice it to say i don't think this is a particularly good movie but i do think it's an interesting movie um for sure. a lot of reasons we're about to get into and for the halloween series i'll take that i'll take interesting over you know the same old um right. I think, you know, maybe a couple other non-spoilery thoughts. I mean, if you liked the sort of like technical aspects of the 2018 one, like the sound design, 
um, John Carpenter returning to do the score with his son, Cody Carpenter. Uh, the score in this one, it rips. I think it's maybe even a better score yeah. than the 2018 one. Um, it's really good. Um, it's really brutal and nasty nihilistic even i would say yeah. bordering bordering on hopelessness um it's it's pretty dark for like a dumb slasher movie and yeah. i i appreciate a lot of that i do think but i also think in certain respects it shoots itself in the foot and we'll kind of get into it um right but i think that's i mean this movie's probably been talked to death a lot of people have seen it it's made a lot of money in the box office it's i think right now the the highest grossing R-rated movie to come out since Bad Boys for Life at the beginning of 2020 before the world shut down, um, cool. which is also nothing to stiff at because that movie did make a lot of money. So mm -hmm. um, do you have any other non-spoiler thoughts before we swing in to spoilers? Uh, I, I, the one other thing I was going to say about it is I know that there's been a lot of contention surrounding the movie, and I know that I already compared the 2018 Halloween to The Force Awakens of the series. Uh, and another thing we were discussing off mic is that the first movie is is very much homage to the 1978 original, and this one seems to be a huge hodgepodge, um, everything but the kitchen sink homage to the other 11 movies in the series. Like there's yeah. little bits and pieces throughout the entire thing, um, and I, hopefully that's a non-spoiler thing. And and you know, make of that what you will, but they they very much were trying to appease people who have watched the series and will recognize a lot of the imagery and lines and returning characters mm -hmm. um, sometimes to a fault, which I we will get into when we start talking about spoilers. Absolutely. And, and especially a, uh, an interesting choice. I don't know if I'd call it bad, but it's at least strange given that here's a, here's a timeline that disregards all those movies but we're going to reference those movies. Yep. It's, it's yep. very strange. Uh, All non-canonical, but now we need to bring them somewhat back into the canon for some reason. It's, 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 that's, odd. that's, I think the biggest thing it is odd. And I think, you know, again, it's not spoil. We'll get into specifics. Why? Or at right. least I'll lay my specifics. I think the movie's a mess. That's for sure. Yes. Like I think it was definitely a mess, um, but it's one that I was never bored with. I was consistently engaged with, um uh, until the very end um and and like i said it does a lot of things that i think are really interesting it does a lot of things that i think are really stupid um mm -hmm. but overall i i think it's at least a movie worth watching especially if you liked the 2018 one but then i get maybe maybe again not people seem to be hating this movie even if they liked the 2018 one so i don't know what to tell you but i chris I and i are at least team team it's interesting um team give it a shot yeah, last thing I'll sure. say. Last thing I'll say before swinging spoilers, we got to take a bet right now because the oddball okay. ones, the oddball ones after the fact, seem to get embraced by people as being interesting. Mm. You know, season of the witch is the most obvious one, but even Rob Zombie's Halloween too, which people were mm -hmm. like, this is fucking weird and terrible. And now I think people largely think that as the superior of the two Rob Zombie ones, uh, right. myself included for sure. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I want to bet. I'm going to take a bet right now about 10 years. 10 years is where people will be like, ah, oh, Halloween Kills wasn't so bad. I think that's a fair bet. I think also how Halloween 3, or is it Halloween Ends? Yeah, how Halloween that Ends. ends yeah. up is probably going to be a huge contributor to that as well. I think people, I mean, you already mentioned uh, what The Last Jedi uh, gets a whole lot of shit, but I think that one's being reappraised, especially in the light of The Rise of Skywalker. 
a lot of people are going back and they're like, well, at least Ryan Johnson was stepping out of the box and trying to do something that hadn't been done really in the Star Wars saga up until then. Um, they're, they're giving it the kudos it deserves. And I, I very much agree. I think there's stuff that's in the movie that's really rough that 10 years from now is still going to be really rough. Yeah. But I definitely think that it will start to gain some more appreciation after this initial, if everyone is just the, the Halloween kills killed their dog and they're just, they need to post about it on Twitter. Like it's so, everyone is so like <laughs> taking it as a personal affront and it's just like, guys, it's a fucking, it's a Halloween sequel. It was starting at the <laughs> lowest possible bar from the very beginning. The fact that I was entertained at all already makes it one of the better ones in the series. I would, I would agree with a plum. And the last thing I will say officially, keeping with the Star Wars comparison, at least we know Halloween ends is pretty much in the can. So they can't really walk right. back on a lot of stuff if based on people's reaction, because it's already been shot. So right. At least David Gordon Green's going to finish it the way he intended to, whether that ends up being a good thing or a bad thing. Um, yep. At least it's it's there. So, all right. Well, let's swing into spoilers for Halloween Kills starting right now. Oh, I've heard of this flick. There's a twist in it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Just, just try and forget that. And hopefully we'll still be able to enjoy it. I bet he's a woman, that bloke. No. You think it's the future, but it's actually set in the past. It's not Earth. It's all a dream. Oh, could you not? Could you? Could you not try and guess what the twist is? Um, I think maybe even just the easiest place to start, because I don't want to beat by beat the movie. I don't think it's worth doing that. But I think it is no. worth to start at the beginning, because one of the things I, I didn't like about the movie was all of the flashbacks to... Halloween night, 1978. Um, right. I, I just, I don't know. It just felt like it's so, it, 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 like it drove home, if anything, because we talked about how like the first of the new ones was so like structurally beholden to the first one. And this mm -hmm. one definitely varines off course, but like this is those elements that's so beholden to the first one is like, we're constantly flashing back to that night. The, I mean, credit where credit's due, the, the production design is painstakingly like recreated and it's done really well. Um, I don't necessarily like that he appears in it, but I at least like that they went about it in a classy way because Dr. Loomis makes an appearance and I got to look. I don't remember the actor. I apologize. I'll try and look it up so I can give credit to them. But it was not a digital thing. It was makeup. They did full-on makeup right. to make this actor look like Donald Pleasant circa 1978. Which, funny enough, I don't necessarily love it narratively in the movie I'm about to mention, but they took the approach that Dr. Sleep did, where like they didn't do a de-aged Jack Nicholson or a de-aged Shelley Duvall. They just got right. actors who look like Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson and cast them in the part. And therefore, like to me, that's inherently less distracting than you know, doing that sort of like weird de-aging. So it's like, I like the creative production choices, but I was just like, every time we cut to it, because we follow, um, I forget the name of the character, but it's, um, sorry. Lonnie? Or well, are you talking about Will, Will Patton's character? Yes, well, I guess Will, he's not Will Patton in there, but Officer Hawkins? Officer Hawkins, yes, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. So, I mean, yeah, we do follow Lonnie, which we'll, we'll get into that, but it's, it's, it's yes, it's Will Patton's character, Officer Hawkins, and then it's Thomas Mann playing the young version, which I mean, this might just be a me thing. I also just don't like that actor. He was in that shitty indie, like me and the Earl and the Dying Girl. 
movie and yeah uh, i think he's in kong skull island like he's one of the soldiers in in that um that's the only other thing i could think of but i just i just don't like i'm not not a big fan of that that actor um but at the same time it's just like i don't know i was like i felt like because that storyline by the time we get to it in present time is so not fleshed out it almost feels like the flashbacks are for not unless that Mm -hmm. resolves itself i guess in the next one but it was just sort of like that was an element that felt like really forced when Will Patton's uh, uh, character like comes to and is talking to Laurie Strode in the hospital. And I know I'm jumping way ahead, but like that whole mm-hmm. part, I was like, oh, this, this, that's when the movie started spouting its themes out. And I got really frustrated with it. <laughs> like literally word for word saying what the theme of the movie. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, we'll get into more <laughs> of that. Um, I, I agree somewhat halfway. I mean, like, in in the Halloween 2018, there's like an offhanded the I think it's the the two people who are making the podcast. They're having a sort of conversation. One of them says, uh, you know, 1978, he killed uh, you know three babysitters and then was apprehended later on that night. So like they, oh okay, like they if they were going to do this scene, if they were going to do the flashback, I think it would have been more appropriate in 2018s. But the fact that they showed restraint and didn't do it in 2018 left it up to the audience for them to be like, yeah, he got arrested. We're 40 years later. We're moving on, yada, yada, yada. The fact that we're now in the sequel backtracking and going back and showing what happened later on in the night in 1978. Like, I get that it's it's in its own way homaging, uh, uh, not John Carpenter, it's John Carpenter written, but written, uh, directed by um, Tommy Wallace. Um the original Halloween 2 from 1981, that one starts with, you know, immediately picking up after uh, Michael getting up off the lawn and going off into the night. Yeah, they're like, they, they're showing what happened later on that night. They, they, so they're sort of paying deference to that sequel. But then uh, by painstakingly recreating the Myers house, the, the, the gutter, I noticed is hanging down and it shattered the window like it does in that jump scare scene from the 1978 Halloween, mm-hmm. the inclusion of, uh, of Dr. Loomis being in there. So there was a lot of stuff that was like paying homage and stuff. And I thought it was kind of neat. The production design was great. The shape looked amazing. He looked like he, I remember him being in the 1978 film. So I really appreciated a lot of those aspects, but while watching, it, I was like, is there something that's going to come up here that's going to come back in later? And I guess that there kind of is with Sheriff Hawkins, but it like, I don't even think it meant anything. Like it it doesn't inform his character. It doesn't really set anything up because ultimately he's not involved in like the apprehension or anything of Michael later. There's no vengeance or like anything that happens. I know there was no lesson learned. Well, it's no lesson learned, but I think the lesson is like bleak. And I guess that does come back into play because ultimately, um, well, two things, not to not to sound like a dick. It's Rick Rosenthal who did Halloween 2. Tommy Lee Wallace did Halloween 3. Um, oh, shit. Really? Yeah. I only know this because they got Rick Rosenthal to come back to do Halloween Resurrection, which, oof, boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We skip over talking about that one. <laughs> yes, we can. We can definitely not talk about Resurrection because <laughs> the only thing worth talking about is that slap fight with Buster Rhymes. Um, yep. And that's, that's the whole review. And we just talked about it. And so there now it we is. can move on. It's done. Um, Check. But I think that, that like, I, I wanted to bring up because actually another movie I thought about as well, a movie that I also think is thematically really interesting, but narratively super fucking messy. Uh, and I thought about a specific person's description about the movie. I just thought about Batman v Superman while watching this movie, which is a movie I know you haven't seen. But um, I remember 
way back uh it, well it's now the film cast but they used to be called the slash film cast i know jeff canada one of the co-hosts on it who's like a huge comic book person like like hated the movie but talked about how the, how like he knew where the movie's sort of mindset was because in the beginning of the movie they do the umpteenth flashback to thomas and martha wayne getting gunned down in the alley outside of the the opera um but as opposed to other adaptations either in the comics or in movies um it's i think it's jeffrey dean morgan who's thomas wayne in it who he goes to grab the gun he goes to grab the gun from the perp to try and like fight back and mm-hmm. so it's like that movie you know then it, it kind of enforces the movie because it's really angry and dark and nihilistic and all of that and so sure. this movie sort of like says that where it's like because loomis when we find out like loomis was going to yeah. stage a michael myers execution right there on the lawn and be like okay we're gonna end this once and for all and and um young will Patton's character goes and he he takes the gun and makes like loomis fire into the air because he's mm-hmm. like it's wrong you can't just execute like yes he did this but that's not the right thing you know cut right. to 40 years later now he's out and now he's killed more people so he feels like that blood is on his hands because even though that was a wrong thing at the time he thought it was a wrong thing at the time it would have spared all of this heartbreak um so sure. it's like which i feel like leads into the sort of final thesis of the movie when everyone kind of like gangs up to 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 fight of like you know it's like like a monster of their own making which is also weird like it's a it's an interesting concept but it's also a weird concept because like michael right. myers is evil personified so it's like you'd want to vanquish that but then the right. concept of like his evil like kind of begets more evil in other people is fascinating but i don't like sure. but also maybe a bit like and maybe that just kind of goes into societally because it's like this is a blumhouse universal production you know they put out jordan peele's get out which you mm-hmm. know is of course about like appropriating black culture and like the post-racial lie that like racism is over after we had a black president or like the invisible mm-hmm. man uh where it's like about yeah. gaslighting and believe women and like so this one is like almost like it's like mob mentality there's like maga aspects like uh uh tommy doyle in this movie probably takes ivermectin like uh, it's like <laughs> there's different aspects going on in this movie that i again i don't sure. think they totally come to fruition but at least are like intriguing sorry yeah, i went I on a huge like tangent there on no, different no, points cool. but <laughs> <laughs> I can I can agree with that, all that. I just wish that there were to have been more of a narrative through line. Like we, there, yeah. there's you know a monster of our own making, but it's it's pretty much accepted. Like you said, he's evil personified. And uh, one of um, during that flashback in 1978, when they're talking to him, one of the cops that he's with is just like, I knew Michael when I was a kid. He was a weird, quiet kid. He didn't really hang out with anybody. I used to go over to his house because my mom would make me and he just like stood and looked out of his sister's bedroom window. He was an odd duck. So it's not like there was no nothing in there. It wasn't like um, zombies Halloween uh, where like it was like nature versus nurture sort of theme where like his upbringing very, very strongly informed him becoming a murderous psychopath. Like he was turned into that monster by the people around him. And if he would have been nurtured and cared for, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. That's not the theme here. It's like, Oh no. Yeah. He's crazy. He was always crazy. He's a, he's a, he's a fucking walking tank. He's not human. You can shoot him. You can stab him. You can bludgeon him. You can run him over with a car. And he will keep getting back up and he will keep murdering people. Like, this is not a person. So then to like 
make this thing that is quite literally a monster and then be like, oh, but I mean, it's like society's ills and stuff. It's like, well, it's not. It's not society's ills that are informing him. He's just a fucking monster. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that getting a bunch of people with a bunch of weapons to go after that guy to stop him is the wrong move. I think their move is the wrong move because they're a bunch of fucking idiots. And yeah, there's like stuff that they cover in like the, the hospital and stuff like that, that shows that, you know, the mob mentality is bad because it's, it's uh, indirect violence. It's anger that gets riled up and then it just starts going in direction. And once it's going, it gets mm-hmm. momentum and you can't stop it. And that's yeah. a bad thing. And that's why it needs to be directed. That's why, uh, you know, it needs to be, you know, uh, a you know, well-trained militia or a police force or something that we, we can be targeted and trained and go after this thing that needs to be stopped. So I can understand that. But then, like, I don't know, it just gets so muddled with, like, the themes yes. sort of being opposed towards one another. Like, it, it's kind of trying to have its cake and eat its too. Yeah, I think so. It, it gets it gets muddled, and I don't think the the mudding is necessarily a bad thing. But even within like the shades of gray that it's trying to play in, there has to be a bit cl- of clarity. And I feel like mm-hmm. even structurally, the movie like you know gets super herky jerky too, where it's like we're just from from bouncing from spot to spot to spot, and it's like whoa, whoa, like we need to kind of. And I, I get it a little bit because they do have a little bit of like, okay, let's split the characters up sort of thing. And, you know, if we want to keep doing the Star Wars comparison, that's the Empire Strikes Back sequel template, right? right? Where it's like, okay, Luke Skywalker is going to go off to Dagobah and the Millennium Falcon is going to go run from the bounty hunter and like and split people up. But right. there's still no real like just through line in the movie. We start with this flashback that, well, it's perpetuated by because we return like the original Halloween 2 we return to um, basically the, the same night. It's the same Halloween mm-hmm. night continued. And the boyfriend, and I forget, um, it's Allison's boyfriend, Laurie Strode's uh, uh, granddaughter. Uh, Cameron? Yes. Because he's, uh, yeah, Dylan Arnold who plays Cameron because he's the one yeah. we, we from the first one, like he was being a fuckhead at that party, which per, you know had her leave. And then mm-hmm. her, his friend got, impaled on that fence pretty brutally and so we pick up from there and he sees will Patton on the ground like bloodied and that's when he gets him in the car that's perpetuates the flashback and then we end up i think we end up from there it's so random because from there we end up in the bar uh Mm -hmm. we end up in a bar yeah it was like a the weirdest open mic night where like someone's doing like a, a stand-up like tight five uh and then and then tommy doyle a grown-up tommy doyle uh played by anthony michael hall comes mm-hmm. up and is like you know talks about like never forgets basically like, well and also under the he, he goes up to the stage under the pretense that he's it's a talent show that's going on at this yes, bar not an open mic he night, goes right? up it's a there talent show it goes up there under the pretense that he's going to do like a whistling talent or like he, he said he was going to do a thing and instead he goes up there and he's like 40 years ago, three <laughs> women were brutally murdered. And it's just like, yo dude, like people are here like at, like after work having like a party and shit. And you were like really bringing the fucking mood down, Tommy. Like that's the, <laughs> You got to prep people for that shit. You can't just start doing that. No. And then that's, that's, I think that's where like reference Palooza like gets like, hits just like it's so nuts. bad yeah we get we get so many characters coming back uh what do we get we get marion 
uh, right? Like, or we, what are the names of the characters? I forget. Yeah, but... well, it's Tommy and then uh, uh, Lindsay, uh, yes. who's a little girl who was there on that night, and then Marion, who is the nurse that got her car stolen. Yeah, with Loomis. I, I, she, I, as far as I know, she doesn't even live in Haddonfield. She worked at the, uh, the Smith's Grove Sanitarium which I don't know where that is in relation to Haddonfield, but like the first movie made it seem that it was at least a couple miles down the road that Loomis had to go in search of him. I don't know why she's there. Um, and then Lonnie, yeah, who is the last guy, which if you don't remember, um, maybe I don't know what time we have to edit this, but Lonnie, he was like the kid in the first movie who uh, trips Tommy Doyle and makes him break his pumpkin uh, and he's kind of a shithead and, and talks about the boogeyman. And then also he's the kid that Loomis yells at when he's going to go up to the, the Myers house and yes. Loomis leans forward and says, Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. And he like runs away. Which they call back to when they're finding out that Michael's basically, you know, carving a path to his house. Right. Or right. like, um, they talk about uh, I, I forget which character brings it up. We're like, well, Lonnie was the only one brave enough to go inside the house, which mm-hmm. they even call back that moment because it's like I lied. I never went in the house. Um, right. Yeah. And I was like, guys, come on. We don't need every to- <laughs> every fucking scene. Like they tried to reference like every yes. shot, every minor character. They have to have a callback to it, which is like. It's it's one of the things that I'm glad that you brought up this scene in, in the the uh, bar, but it's also a thing that goes throughout the entire movie where it's supposed to be about communal trauma, mm-hmm. but the the community and the characters that are supposedly traumatized by this event back in 1978 are almost paying deference to it like they're fans of the movie, and it's yes. really 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 weird because like most like if you are traumatized by like a, a major event and i don't necessarily want to bring one up because again that'd be like tommy wallace taking the fucking stage and bringing down the fucking mood but like you would think if you survived like a traumatic event you're not going to constantly be going up to people and being like hey 40 years ago i saw some lady get stabbed and they'd be like dude get the fuck away from me like that's terrible but like you need to go talk to somebody you don't do this in a bar you don't constantly bring it up you don't have celebrations it seems uh to like commemorate the event and always talking about it and like maybe it's because Haddonfield is a small town but I didn't get that sense uh no. especially because in the 2018 movie I can't remember the name of the kid but there's that kid who gets uh he gets fucking stabbed and he gets like jacked up into the wall mm-hmm. and stuck there and earlier on in the movie when he's hanging out with um the the smallest uh of the the uh uh strode clan uh the daughter um she's allison. like hanging out with this guy allison thank you uh she's hanging out with the guy and she talks about like well you know she survived at michael myers and he's just like yeah some dude who killed like three girls on a night like 40 years ago like sh- worse shit than that happens every day all of the time like it's like in like in retrospect like of course it's tragedy but in retrospect like it's not even that big of a deal when we took it like mass killings or like serial murders and stuff like it was a tragic thing that happened but it's not something that that really we we need to pay that much attention to and there are other characters in the movie in 2018 don't seem to be talking about it a lot it's really weird how much it comes up in this movie 
Yes, all and, of the characters. And all these characters coming out of the woodwork who weren't even in the mm-hmm. first one. It's almost like it was sort of like, well, we'll leave them out for a sequel, but it's also but it's just it's just strange. It's it's like yeah, you made a good point of it feeling like they're fans of the movies, which is also kind of a through line that was continued from the first one. I forget mm-hmm. the actor's name. I even forget the character's name, but I think you you call him off mic Numis. Uh, the, oh, the yeah. Michael's doctor in the 2018 one who was like who's basically like the crazed horror fan like that was the whole idea because he like he right. took Michael to to Laurie Strode's compound for like a, a you know like a final showdown and and so like that sort of thread continues on which is like I thought that was stupid in that movie it was like mm-hmm. one of the few stupid aspects I thought in that movie and it is kind of still stupid in this movie I will say branching off that one thing I do like because we did kind of talk about Michael's you know sort of return to being like an embodiment of evil and mm-hmm. I feel like this movie at least at the very least does really really return to that so much so not just in the brutality which we can get into a little bit but the whole idea of like because like Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, I don't think shared the screen at all in this movie. Like Laurie Strode's in the hospital for pretty much, no. I want to say the entire movie. Um, yeah. And so with that, I love the idea that like someone even says it in dialogue that like it mm. wasn't some like ultimate like he needed to go finish what he started with Laurie Strode. It's like he wouldn't have gone there had the doctor not taken him. That was not in his path. His path was entirely right. to get home and so like i i at least found that interesting of like okay we've i know you it's someone said in an offhanded comment the previous one of like you know they're not related laurie strode and michael myers and this one like made it abundantly clear like hey he doesn't give a shit about laurie strode at all well and i love that that the 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 family because i mean like obviously laurie in the hospital that's is alluding to halloween 2 from Mm -hmm. 1981 that's where it took place uh even uh we mentioned it earlier rob zombies halloween 2 um that even starts with a a, a dream sequence that's at a hospital with michael there so they've all like made a stop at least there and I agree. I really, I, it was the sheriff. It was Sheriff uh, Barker played by uh, Omar J. Dorsey. He, I believe was the one who was just like, he ended up out of your house because Numis drove him out there. He doesn't give a shit. But like up until that point in the movie, uh, um, Lori and uh, 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 Judy Greer, uh, who, who plays Karen, uh, they were all like, Michael's coming here. Uh, Lori's here. So Michael is coming here. So we need to get the cops here. We need to lock it all down. The mob is even spun up into a frenzy thinking that Michael is going to be coming there. Right. And I, I really liked the idea that like, no, it's not about, it's not about fate. It's not about some unspoken bond that is between you two. He's, he's a shark. Yeah. And he's going to go out and he's going to do what a shark does. And while you're all sitting here talking about the methods behind his madness, what his drive is, what his motivation is, he doesn't care and he's going to continue killing. And that's that's one of the things. That's why I said that this is a great Friday the 13th movie is because when we're cutting back to these characters that are, like you said, popping their head up and being like, hey, I sold you popcorn in one scene and back in Halloween 1978 and I still live in the same town. Want to know how I feel about the murders? Like, while that shit is going on and they're like espousing dialogue that's like here is theme one of the movie or uh it's halloween everyone's entitled to a good scare like oh every which, single which is said we should know is said by sheriff Brackett. by sheriff Brackett, <laughs> who's now who a security is... guard at the hospital 
even though he is like uh, like he's an old man and very like, old he should not be a security guard at that like do not give that man a gun <laughs> was, that was one thing i was like bracket like good to see you buddy but I, I'll, I'll defend myself if this shit starts to go sideways yeah but, yeah he, of course he says the line because he has to but then while this is going on and we're in these scenes where like it's all disingenuous every single attempt at a heartfelt like uh karen and allison being like dad's dead and then like mm-hmm, well he'll always be with us it's like he died like three hours ago and neither of you were like crying or like really broken up about it you're like yeah you know he got yeah. peanut butter on his penis that was a funny oh, line thank you, guys you. i'm glad you said that <laughs> toby huss is is fantastic in his small small role in that previous movie just shout out also also he's great in cop shop if you haven't seen cop shop it's now currently to stream on or uh, to rent on bod uh but we're not talking about cop shop uh but maybe no, we should unfortunately <laughs> we'll, we'll throw it into the series it's better than talking about resurrection but uh but while this stuff is going on, that's like Ron inducing I, my audience in the theater. I told you off mic, we're laughing at pretty much every uh, emotional attempt that happened in the movie. And then we'll hard cut away to Michael Myers doing crazy fucked up havoc shit. That's like Brutal. very nihilistic, very dark. But as far as like a slasher movie goes with gore and shit, he's much more on the level of like part six Jason mm-hmm. than he is. Uh, the 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 quiet moving hiding in the shadows only to to step out and with enough time to slit your throat and then go back in, into the darkness like he was in the 78 halloween or even in some of the other sequels he is not that michael here he is coming straight at you like a fucking bull and he's going to crush every bone in your body and yep. because the movie because the movie sort of started with it like flashback included because the movie started with that level of brutality with Michael Myers being like coming at people, smashing their heads, slitting throats, doing all this shit, all crazy. I was immediately on board with the tone of the horror portion of this movie. I'm like, okay, you're making a Friday the 13th movie. Then that's the, that's the boat that I'm in. That's what I'm here to expect. And I was along for the ride the rest of the way. So I can understand people who are coming here expecting it to be a 78 Halloween or even a 2018 Halloween to where it's a bit more fast paced in the shadows, not so in your face. And it's not mm-hmm. quite that I can understand that disappointment, but because I was very much on the wavelength of this movie early on, I was able to ride that out the rest of the way. And totally, I get that. And I think, I mean, even the 2018 one, I think just because there is less like carnage overall, 2018 one's pretty brutal too. I feel like mm-hmm. people have kind of forgotten, like the brutality in that movie is pretty evident, but I think it's because the through line of it, of like sort of generational trauma specifically with the Tr- Strode family was so strong. And I don't think it's unstrong here, but it just tries to juggle too many balls in the air when it comes to that and expand it. And, and I just, I just don't think it carries them all, but I agree as far as the slasher portion, because, you know, we, we slam cut pretty much at some point to the car, the truck driving away exactly where the first movie ended. uh, And then the ambulance running, which had that amazing teaser trailer that came out that year. I think it was just that scene, maybe a bit extended of like, like, just screaming, let let it burn. burn." Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I mean they do but like Michael comes out like you said like a pissed off bull and just fucks up every single fireman in that with yeah. like the the fucking like saw with the uh, with the fucking the, it's a pry bar of some yes. sort that is just yeah. shoving through people's faces and 
Yeah, you're very much like, whoa, this is not a Halloween movie. But me coming in here expecting a Halloween sequel, I was like, oh, cool. It's not a Halloween movie. Fair. Yeah. And he, and he just continues cool. that carnage just house by house, yeah. you know, like he goes into the... Um, um god and forgive me i forget the actor's name but but the the woman from borat um like goes into oh, her, yeah. her husband's house and just like like fucks their drone up <laughs> and, and yeah like there's that scene like she's slowly like the lights leaving her eyes and he's mm-hmm. just putting knife after knife after knife in her dead husband's corpse yeah. and that was like that's the movie we're in right now where it's just like this is mean spirited like utterly right. and utterly mean spirited which we like you know we get to the end of like it's just bleak and hopeless by the end oh, yeah. of this movie and so i was like i gotta appreciate that um and and he just continues I, his carnage through throughout um but yeah sorry you had a point i wanted to talk about that scene because that scene when that when he is putting the knives into her dead husband's corpse um that scene is the closest that the series has gotten to the classic head tilt of the original from 78, yeah. uh, which, I mean, it's iconic. The series has tried to replicate it many times. Other people who have made Halloween ripoffs have tried to replicate it of, um, uh, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, new metal bands would try to replicate it as they would tilt their head and like, look at me, I'm crazy and wild. It's a it's an eerie, creepy thing that happens in the 78 movie where he's just slowly kind of admiring his work. And this one takes it up to like an extreme degree, of course, because he's continuously stabbing this man. But the way that it's shot over her shoulder as she's bleeding out and he's out of focus and Mm -hmm. you don't at first see what's happening. You just hear shunk and then a, a, a weight and then a shunk. And then the camera slowly sort of uh, it, it, it pans around to reveal it out of focus. And when he comes down and stabs him and leaves the knife in it, he is not so much um, he's not so much robotic, like standing stiff and like going back into motion. He keeps his arms bent and he'll stab him, take his hand away and keep looking at like the body, like expecting, like wondering if something's going to happen and it doesn't. And then he turns his head to look over where there's like a, a magnetic board over the oven that has more knives. And then he'll like reach at that and grab it and look back at the body and shunk and then wait to see if it does anything. And it, it, he looks like a curious child mm-hmm. who's wondering what, like, what, what does this do? Is this going to make something new happen or something? And it like, without giving any dialogue, without like really spending too much time in the scene, it reveals everything that you need to know about Michael Myers' mentality. He's, yes. he's, uh, he's a dog, he's a child. He's just doing things for not really any known reason. But he's experimenting. He's curious, and he's just a—he's a—he's a extremely dangerous Lenny from a, of mice and men. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great way to put it. And you're right. I, and I think that's what, if anything, uh, you know, the most positive aspects I am of this movie. And I think you're of the same way. Of like, I feel like just it, it reinstates the fear of like here's somebody who is completely. Yeah, not just unstoppable, but like somebody who completely doesn't know their own strength. They don't know what they're capable of, but they are capable of certain things and they are just continuously doing the thing over and over again. And it's like, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. So I think like those elements are really strong in the movie for sure. And I think there's some of the best stuff and like, like the whole, like 
you know, when we break away from the whole like mob storyline, which like I, I do have more to say on that, uh, yes. specifically with a sequence towards the end. But like I, I mostly love the sort of like grounds eye view of Haddonfield, especially when we're introduced mm-hmm. to probably the best characters in the movie for for my money are uh, Big John and Little John, uh, played by Scott MacArthur and Michael McDonald. Um mm-hmm fan fantastic like just like awesome awesome characters which also kind of leads into another like sort of roundabout interesting point in addition to like the mean spiritness and the overall like bleak worldview of the movie because when we're introduced well i guess when we're introduced to big john um he's like smoking a joint and playing old records and he's like in his robe like dancing and and it's Mm -hmm. like oh my god it's so awesome but then they get uh they get a couple of like trick-or-treaters who ring on the doorbell and they say like oh my god like my friend like is is like dying that she found a razor blade in your candy and so they're like going out and uh, michael mcdonald's little john goes out there to try and like figure out the situation um then they hear a door slam like someone's in the house which of course it's like a fake out you think it's michael myers turns out it's just one of the other kids going to steal all their candy and uh you know yeah dick move and the girl like on the ground pretending that they had a razor blade so just taking advantage of like this sort of like it i mean i wouldn't say urban legend is a thing that has happened but has been like you know talked about of like oh razor blades in the candy right um sort of deal um and and like the kids are really like snotty and mean about it yes they're dicks about it which also reminds me of like when we're introduced in the flashback to lonnie the kids are also super dickish and picking on them too more rude than anyone was actually in the 1978 movie right and so i feel like that's just also feeds into the mean spiritedness of like even the kids even the kids in this town have like felt the sort of like rottenness that has happened from all of right. this which is like pretty fucking dark but it also leads to my favorite line in the movie where like uh little john and big john are sort of like talking to him and and big john's trying to scare them he's like do you know whose house this used to be because that's i guess that's what we didn't set up little john and big john live in the myers house in michael that is not newly renovated and newly renovated gentrified and it looks beautiful and modern and exactly and he's like you know his house this used to be and they're like no and they're like used to be michael myers's house and then they're like well so we're not scared and he says like looks her blank in the eye and goes he stabbed her sister in the tits <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why but his delivery of that line made me laugh so hard it's, it's ridiculous it's I, fantastic <laughs> That's very much uh, a, a line that was written by uh, uh, Danny McBride. I, yeah. I feel like that was his contribution to the script right there. Well, um, even, even the mannerisms of Big John, like it's one of those things you could tell if like he wasn't, if he wasn't super busy or felt like he would be a distraction. It felt like Danny McBride could have played that role. that role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a value. I definitely see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really liked their characters. I thought, um, you brought this up as well is that uh uh david gordon green will introduce characters to uh, simply to be fodder like you're you're introducing you and in some matter of minutes you're going to get stabbed in the face right but he gives them time to introduce some quirk or something about their their uh character so that you know, if they die, they're a minor character for a majority of the audience. It's, you know, we're still back to square one where we would be either way. If it was any other horror movie where they're like, oh, here comes the, the ice cream man. He was going to deliver ice cream and all we got sad. 
But if they give us an extra two minutes in the car with the ice cream man where he's on the phone with his wife or having a conversation or he does, he has some weird hobby, there's some portion of the audience that's going to like is going to relate with that. There's going to relate with that character on some deeper level, which makes yes. the kill more effective. And so then I I I think it's mostly successful. I mean, for the most part, it's it's the same. Like I said, it's the same thing that we would see with regular fodder in any other horror movie. But I think it's interesting to like, it doesn't take a whole lot of time out of your movie to give him a, a little bit of a personality, to make him feel a little bit more fleshed out and a little bit more real so that when they are killed, it's a bit more tragic. It, it, it's a bit more like it feels like a person was killed rather than extra number 16 yes. gutted in this scene on page 64. Yeah, it, it gives it gives some humanity. Like even in the midst of this all this like bleakness, it's like that's the thing. It's like so many slasher movies, it's either one of two things, right? They're either like fodder for the the slaughter, they're just like a stock archetypal mm-hmm. character um with no like discerning personality of their own or it's just filler or it's just mm-hmm. like really boring like things that don't matter both to these characters themselves let alone the overall plot of the movie they're just right. like saying things because they need to pad the runtime out in the movie and i feel like david Gordon green is like conscious enough and he's good enough writer and a good enough character you know developer that he's really good at like making these little characters and making these little moments count and i think that's to me that's the stuff in the movie that shines in addition to all the sort of brutal carnage and you know i think again i think some of the greater thematic stuff is interesting but i mean maybe we get back a little bit to this the maybe the the i would say the dumbest scene in the movie um because i got to talk about that for a second because i had i have some thoughts which is like it's sort of when the mob really like you know in the hospital like people are people are coming to the hospital they're like i don't know if my like if my son's alive and people are mm-hmm. panicked and people are in the hospital and it's like, that's also sort of like, unfortunately topical, you know, like in the midst of like the, the pandemic. And so like, oh, sure. hit, and so it's like that, that also is like, okay, there's like an accidental like relevance there. Cause this was filmed well before right. it. Um, but like that's it's when like everybody gets kind of riled up and like Tommy Doyle like you know gets says like you know the law has failed in this town and we're gonna take it in our own hands. Evil dies tonight. Evil I'd, dies tonight. I would evil say take tonight. a shot every time someone says evil take evil dies tonight, don't, but don't you'll because die. you will die. <laughs> you will die of alcohol poisoning <laughs> if you do this. But there's this weird so it's like that that happens and and the sheriff kind of looks like oh shit like this is out of control and yep. there's the other mental patient that escaped along with michael myers Mm -hmm. and this is the dumbest moment in the movie to me so like on two levels because number one that he's running around the hospital like he makes it back like to the hospital he's running around and people like think that he's michael myers so they all start chasing him and i was like first off he looks like danny devito this guy is like five foot two michael myers is like six five like he's this giant imposing figure so i was like how did you misconstrue that like it, it's like who wrote twins with him and arnold schwarzenegger like oh, right. they were even though schwarzenegger's not that tall but either way like, <laughs> but it's just like how did you misconstrue that and i know that's kind of a nitpick but it's also like that's really stupid like, right. like even i get that you're showing like mom mentality is like blinding people's rationale through like something like that and so therefore somebody who's innocent at least innocent of the crime that they're pinning on them 
is now dead but i think like number one that's entirely stupid and the number two it's like also wonky because the the one person who's like against it is karen is judy greer's character um who's Mm -hmm. who's laurie strode's daughter and she like she's the one who opens the door and sort of lets him go and then people are like Mm -hmm. sort of chanting and he falls the window to his death and it's like uh, like I, I, I think it was supposed to be a sort of like crisis of conscious moment because she's like, this is wrong, so I'm gonna let you go. But and they're like, we shouldn't have this mom mentality. But then she's the ultimately the one who leads Michael out the door to the mob in the end of the movie, and it's like, and then I mean, again, we're in spoilers. So takes I guess, part in it. Takes part in it, and then she gets fucking killed too. Like, which I. I gotta say I, I don't know how I felt about it like emotionally but I at least gave it credit for like oh okay these characters don't have plot armor so at least mm-hmm. like I gave credit there of like you know all these characters like oh you just met and remembered from the first movie and now they're all fucking dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I mean as far as I didn't really care about Karen's character as a whole I mean I liked her arc in the first movie where yeah, going from me too my mom is crazy. I've shut her out of my life. She has no idea what she's fucking talking about. And then when shit hits the fan and she realizes she's been wrong her entire life, she is able to sort of flip the switch, use the survival instincts that were taught to her by her mother, and then it brings them closer together. I wish that there would have been more moments of them being closer together. They spent a lot of time with uh, Lori talking to, to Officer Hawkins about like a date that they once had and oh I wish something would have come of that and stuff I wish there would have been more scenes between Karen and Lori so that when eventually yes. Karen bites the dust there's a loss but because her character spends a lot of the time chasing around Danny DeVito uh, trying to help him escape from the mob and then eventually being the catalyst that leads Michael to mob justice and takes place in the mob itself it's like you're you're right where it's like okay there's there's sort of a, a start of a of a uh, of a try like an attempt at, at forgiveness arc or a you know like don't judge a book by its cover or like yeah. what we're trying to do with this character here and then flips on a dime because the story needed her to and then she gets killed and it's like I never once related to her character in this entire movie so I don't feel anything but I feel like I should yes i think you're you're onto something there and i'm glad you brought that up because i think that um because i know i like you know again not to critique critiques people can feel how they feel but i know like there were accounts of people saying like oh it doesn't have the laurie strode michael Myers stuff you would hope and like like we kind of already said i don't care about that because the movie explicitly that made that explicitly clear but because the sort of through line of their interpersonal relationships and their trauma was so strong in the first one, I care about those interpersonal relationships. And I would have liked to seen those develop further, which like you just said, which they don't do enough of, which I think, you know, like I said, they don't right. have enough scenes together where it's like, you know, because Allison ultimately goes out with, uh, with, but, you know, back Cameron. with her boyfriend, Cameron. And Lonnie. And- well, Cameron is Lonnie's son, which I guess we right. didn't even set up. So there's that whole oh like, connection. Yeah, I know everyone's fucking related in this movie. So, um, so like they go have their sort of they like they go have their sequence, and then like uh, and then like you said, like Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode has the scenes with Will Patton's officer Hawkins, mm-hmm. and it's like that doesn't really register. I know like it really it's kind of amusing that they're both like kind of wincing in pain and and like because they yeah, make a joke of it, like surgery and shit. And, yeah, yeah, but he's like you know which which he of course you get no stone left unturned. He's like because they, they they talk about a moment back 
1978 where they like shared a kiss but he's like you had the hots for for ben, ben Tramer, which which i gotta i gotta say i don't know the i remember seeing the tweet but i have to give credit uh to uh reina cervantes uh who said like watching halloween ends like ben Tramer comes back and it's played by matthew modine or some shit and i was like you know what you know what that i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to include Ben, like if you're going to have they a Ben Tramer, they're going ben Tramer to. cameo. They're going to. <laughs> you can't top the 1981 cameo of Ben Tramer, who's the guy who's dressed as Michael Myers, who gets fucking nailed by a cop car, which then crashes into a van and explodes in the craziest fucking out of place scene in the it's entire movie. So it's so histrionic and Loomis. Like, it's was it amazing? Him? Was it him? It I want to know. <laughs> well i fucking i yeah I, i'll say what i have to say about halloween 2 that scene fucking rocks that scene does rock dude you know ben Tramer's gonna fit in somehow well dude did they even did you even see like the 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 bob cameo in this movie have you heard about this so there's there, there's a so there's a yearbook photo flashback right to, to the yeah. character of bob who pj souls boyfriend in that who gets killed i saw I, the picture for, of pj souls Right. So there's a picture of PJ yeah. Souls and there's a picture of Bob. And now I don't forgive me, I don't remember the actor who played Bob. Uh, but that was his only film credit. It's his only film credit. So they could not really? track him down. So do you know whose picture that is of Bob in the yearbook? No. It's Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> it's really if you look at the very end of the credits, like you probably have the IMDB page, scroll to the very, very bottom. Bob Odenkirk is credited as bob because that's his yearbook photo because they're like we can't because they typed in like bob halloween yearbook like they typed in something into google and they but like bob odenkirk's photo came up from high school and they're like well we can't track down this actor but we can get bob odenkirk like we can get a hold of him so they reached out and they're like can we use your yearbook photo for this he's like yeah sure dude that's canon (laughs) <laughs> oh he can't i was gonna say he has to come back but he can't because he's fucking dead yeah uh, unfortunately that would be that would be amazing that, that would be, be fucking wonderful. incredible <laughs> no i didn't know that uh i'm so, uh, real quick tangent sure. uh you mentioned uh uh allison going out with lonnie and cameron to hunt down uh uh michael which there's the point where they they've discovered the the car where michael uh killed uh, uh is it margaret marjorie uh, mallory uh mammary uh marion marion made marion uh where he discovers marion and uh the the other people from the bar they're in that uh suv uh, along with those dickhead kids who are on the playground fucking mm-hmm. ices them all it's brutal it's crazy uh Lindsay is the only one to get away um he he continues on uh he he kills a few more people and then lonnie looks at a map and it's like he's he's on his way home like he's making a beeline on his way back to the Myers house and when I saw him back in 1978 on Halloween night he was on his way home like there's something that calls him home when he's in Haddonfield he does his he goes out he does his killing and he goes back home so we got to go there then he drives there with Cameron and Allison and calls no one like he's still got Tommy's phone number yeah he's still got like he knows that there's a mob of people looking for him and he goes ah he's going home it calls nobody drives there and then goes all right you kids wait in the car and keep a lookout i'll go inside by myself yeah 
to check it out, which is like, okay, the dumbest move number two. And then the dumbest move number three, I can't remember what exactly he says to Cameron, but it's quite possibly the last time he's going to see his son and he's just like, hang in there, champ, or whatever bullshit line. Like, he doesn't say, I love you, or like anything like that. He's just like, keep your nose clean, and like, gets out of the car. <laughs> Lonnie, you're the worst fucking father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, the other thing, this is a total nitpick, but it just crossed my brain. Like, weren't they all kind of getting hammered at that bar in the beginning he was of the movie? drinking in the car <laughs> yes yes as he's driving them around he's got a cup in the it's like not in a beer can but it's like very clearly he's sipping booze out of this like coffee cup that he's driving around with that's how they roll in Haddonfield I guess I guess so yeah <laughs> that'll help that'll keep you sharp looking after this fucking seven foot tall maniac he's slamming whiskey um God. but I really quickly because uh, we need to, I, we do need to mention the other um, movies in the series. Oh, yes, before we before we do wrap up, yes, we gotta we gotta do it. And I'm I'm glad that you mentioned sort of how, and we've all we've sort of danced around it talking about the relationship between Michael and between Lori, and that there's a contingency of fans of the series who are saying there's not enough Michael and Lori, and I have for a long time. Uh, said that the worst thing that the Halloween series ever did was give Michael motivation. Yep. Where in the second movie, admittedly, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter said that when they wrote the script, they had no ideas. They didn't want to write it, but they hammered it out because the, the studio paid them to do it. They got drunk, they wrote the script, and that's where they came up with the Lori is Michael's sister who survived that night and was adopted by a different family under the name of Strode. And because of that decision... As soon as Michael is not a crazed maniac personification of evil who's stalking the suburbs and killing anybody who gets in his way, he now has a motivation to go after that person. He's no longer a threat to anyone who's outside of the sphere of that person. And they, they continued that through line by, you know, after the Halloween three, which I, I personally love. It's a, it's an oddity, but like, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with the main yep. series. Um, they're watching Halloween on TV in the movie. Uh, yep. So in that universe, it's canon. But um, in the fourth one, they explain that Laurie Strode died in a car accident off screen. Mm -hmm. And then the motivation for Michael just skips down to her daughter. So he's going after his niece. So four and five and mm -hmm. six. He's yep, going Daniel after... Harris is in six briefly. Yeah, or, or right, not Daniel yeah. Harris. It's not Daniel Harris reprising the role, but the character, the niece, right. is in six briefly. You're so right. he's going going after his niece in four, five, and six. And then in Halloween H2O, he, he's, he's got to get Lori. She works at this school. I got to go She didn't Lori. actually die in a car accident. She faked oh. her death somehow. I Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Halloween H2O is a direct sequel to two that's and it skips right. four five six God, which right. still doesn't make sense because in halloween two it ends with loomis shooting michael in both of his eyes which didn't kill him shot him in the eyeballs and mm. then blew him the fuck up and then he falls in frame and like burns to a cinder well in and h2o in he H2O, gets decapitated <laughs> yeah <laughs> So whatever, so, it doesn't make sense to you. But, but like matter. he gets burned to a cinder and then in Halloween H2O, he's just there and he's got like a knockoff version of the suit that he wore in Halloween 1 and 2. 
Yeah. You know, he's back because we needed him. The fran- this franchise is nothing without Michael Myers. So, uh, but no, like, this franchise needed LL Cool J as the security guard writing his romance novels. That was that was the, the main character, and they blew it. <laughs> but like all of those movies are like are like way less interesting than the first movie. Yeah, and is driven by the motivation of Michael needs to hunt down this one target. And what made him scary in the first movie is who is this guy. And why is he doing this? Like, what made these girls special? Are they special? Am I just as much of a risk of being slashed to death as anybody else that's in this neighborhood? Is it my neighborhood that could be next? And that's what made it horrifying back in the 70s was a threat in the suburbs. It wasn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It wasn't, you know, strangers in a foreign land. You went someplace where you weren't allowed and you paid the price for it. Is the danger coming to your home where you should feel safest? Yeah, that is what made it scary. And it makes it less scary when you give them a motivation to go after a specific target. That's why I love in these ones is that he's just, he's danger. He's evil. He's in the suburb. He's like, he's like crazy Loomis. The evil is here. Batten down the hatches or whatever he has to fucking say. But yes, no, I would, I would agree. Like you're, you're right. The motivation in, in, is is what has always sort of robbed i mean it hasn't robbed the original because the original in addition to like it's just a great piece of work so it's like i can dissociate it from the crummy sequels as its own piece but it does sort of cheapen that idea of like oh this just happened where you're at like this could happen anywhere sort of deal right and that's what makes it scary you're right and so like it's always cheapened it i mean even rob zombie went back to the well of them being related albeit the, one of the things I do like, because I do like his Halloween too, I hate his first one um, <laughs> with a passion. Um, because because of that whole nature versus nurture aspect, I'm like I don't mm. care really where Michael <laughs> Myers is from. And then the second half is just a remake of the first movie, but the second one totally careens off its own path, and it's like you know, it, which also credit to him because he sort of like spearheaded that idea of like trauma like trauma laden sort of thing that like the david gordon green movies is doing because like laurie mm-hmm. strode in that movie is suffering the heavy trauma from that event um you know and loomis loomis is the fucking villain of the whole thing profiting off of it with his book tour yeah. and all of that but i i like the idea at least halloween 2 i feel like the, uh zombies halloween 2 in an unlike the original halloween 2 actually enriches its first movie to a certain extent by making it sort of this like not just a i need to like kill my bloodline but like i want to be with the people in my bloodline who mattered and so it's like i i felt like that was actually like fascinating and interesting and it's weird and ethereal it's brutal i'm not a big rob zombie fan his sort of rockabilly redneck sort of thing really grades on me quickly it's very toned down in the second halloween yeah um it's and still it's grungy that, but it's not that it's not that yeah. backwoods hillbilly well, sort of exactly stuff. and it's beautifully made like like it's it's it was shot in 16 millimeter and blown up to 35 mm-hmm. so like it's really great it and looks, if nothing else it looks great yeah if nothing else um you know there, there's no other halloween movie where sheriff bracket uh, who's played by brad dorif in the rob zombie ones goes on about cat baloo uh so yeah. hey <laughs> i'll take and the wins where i can get them <laughs> Any movie with Brad Dorif in it is all right by me. I, I yes. don't. There was a, a time in my life where I really liked the the first Halloween or Zombies Halloween. I, I think it, it. I owe it mostly to my sort of. Uh, I really like dig true crime, and so then sort of a a uh, 
a slasher movie that depicts sort of a uh, harsh upbringing that you would hear about from a lot of other like major serial killers who have right. similar stories and stuff like that. I can see what Zombie was going for. The one of the things is I, I'm okay with uh, brutality. I, I'm okay with nihilism in the movie. One of the things that sort of rubs me the wrong way when I look back at, at Zombie's Halloween is the the way that it's sort of depicted with childhood michael um because like the second half of the movie is basically halloween 78 modernized and they didn't really do anything new but the the first half that is sort of the backstory that explains how michael became michael everybody that he kills is given a story that more or less tries to make it seem like they deserved it yes 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 that's his shit dad the bullies the bully and like like they like they pushed him to do this they pushed him to become this monster and it's like don't um make excuses for serial murderers please yeah that's the thing it's <laughs> the, the sympathy for the killer is what sort of gets me but i i think the true crime aspect is again like again especially with like the loomis in the second one is kind of hammered home in that mm-hmm. one and i think it makes it i think there's a lot of layers and interesting dynamics in the second one that i don't want to rewatch that first one but I do think it enriches what came before yes. it. For Second sure. one does it so much better of uh, the personal enrichment off the suffering of others is yes. a theme of the second one that's, that's tackled way, way, way better in the first one because it, it plays the first one straight like the first Halloween. But by having that intro sequence, you're right. It, it's it's so, it, it just, it's just gross uh, yeah. to, to be like, like, yeah, he slit his dad's throat while he was sleeping. And it's like, no shouldn't feel good about that no no like, they don't slip people's throats should be the message here um yeah yeah uh zombies halloween notwithstanding i mean like he has his own style i know that there are people who are big zombie fans i think house of a thousand corpses is fine uh, i had fine with that i haven't seen the devil's rejects although i know that it has its contingency of fans as well i have issues with it just in that general rob zombie sense but devil's rejects is a much better movie than house of a thousand corpses Okay. Um, well, maybe I'll have to give it a shot, but I just wasn't generally don't a watch big three fan of some of the stuff. I've heard that Three from Hell sucks a huge dick, uh, and I I just never really had anything that was like, yeah, I'm gonna go out of my way to watch a zombie movie. There's a bunch of like actually really good movies that I need to get around to watching first. Um, do we want to really quick? I know that we're we're getting into the tail end of our discussion. Do we want to really quick just fire off our our rankings of the series sure yeah i i have no problem doing that so i think i had to update it because i did uh, i didn't do as much rewatching as you did you kind of really like champion through and i watched most of these for the first time a couple years ago so they were mostly pretty fresh in my head um but i will go i'm just gonna go bottom to top uh, uh okay. probably so so i'm looking at my list right now uh, at number 12, last place is Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, you know, just what an absolute shit show. Uh, we didn't mention, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say their names um, because they're, they're, they're shit and they don't deserve to be mentioned. But um, just I feel like in the context of all this, I at least should. Um, Curse of Michael Myers is one the Halloween series, I think, was bought by Miramax. So it could be released by Dimension, which I'm saying Miramax, you probably yes. know who I'm talking about. Um, they were buying a bunch of properties. Halloween, Hellraiser was another one of them. 
um and clearly didn't know what the fuck to do with them and so it's like they didn't know what to do and shit was like re-edited that fourth hellraiser one that's like an omnibus film was similarly butchered all the hell um so in addition to being a dumb idea in the first place with like the whole cult aspect it's a dumb idea that's completely compromised on top of that so it's just an absolute shitty mess uh Number 11 would be Rob Zombie's Halloween, the first one. Again, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't care where Michael Myers came from, but so on and so forth. Uh, number 10, Halloween H2O. Eh, not a fan of it. Number no. nine, Halloween Resurrection. I actually have Resurrection above H2O. Wow. because You're going to have to explain your position here. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid. Um, it's stupid. Like, both are stupid, but Resurrection was... Yeah more interestingly stupid i guess than h2o of like this sort of like final confrontation it just it didn't work in that movie it was done so much better in halloween 2018 um put it on the box my number i guess number eight would be halloween five followed by number seven would be halloween four i really can't differentiate either of them in my head i know halloween Mm. five has that awesome like cardboard cutout of the like restaurant uh, with like oh, the, the, yeah. the like waitress and i know that four is the scene where uh loomis does a action jump over a gas barrel as that entire gas station explodes explodes um, in the ball of flame it's but other than that crazy. they're the same exact sort of middle of the road movie to me yeah. i can't differentiate the two of them and uh, also number- michael looks terrible in both of them yes those yes, are like the worst masks in the series oh great uh my number six would be halloween kills uh, again, I don't think it's a good movie as we discussed, but I think it's at least an interesting movie and it's got interesting aspects, which for this series, as I've said before, that's enough. Uh, number five would be Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, uh, which I think is a good, interesting film, uh, as we just discussed for all these reasons. Number four would be the original Halloween 2. Again, I think it's a really solid slasher movie in its own right. Um, number three, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Number two, Halloween 2018. And of course, number one, the original. I I can't disagree with your list. Other I, than resurrection uh, being ahead of anything. <laughs> other than resurrection being ahead, I, I I think hold on, I need to double check my list. I believe, yeah, I have resurrection as dead last. I was offended by that movie. That's fair. Um because uh, I mean like not only like I think that movie exposed how out of ideas the entire series is by the beginning of the movie starting with michael going to the insane asylum and killing laurie strode which is like his entire um like i guess goal uh, of this entire series uh, up until that point was get laurie strode and he does in the cold open of the movie and then the rest of the movie is just like i don't know uh teenagers go and hang out at meyer's house and then he's like offs them one by one and it's like oh so it's okay boilerplate any other slasher that you could pick out of a hat like you had nothing else to add to the story whatsoever once laurie's gone that's, right that's the depth of your ideas for the halloween franchise i was i was upset at resurrection um because it proved my point that i've been talking about for all these years where without the the inclusion of giving michael a motivation it's a hollow empty mess just like his eye sockets um Okay, so then I, I would just fire off mine because I, I don't know if you'll really disagree with them. But I went uh, from bottom to top, uh, uh, Resurrection, uh, Curse, fuck that movie, H2O, <laughs> terrible. Uh, then I went uh, Zombies, Halloween 1. I don't know. It has somewhat of a soft spot with me. I'll, I'll give it a pass. Sure. Uh, then then 5-4. Um, uh, they're interchangeable. Mix and match. Who gives a shit? Then Halloween 2, Zombies, Halloween 2 then halloween 2 the 81 halloween 2 hmm. 
then I went Kills 2018, Halloween 3, and then the original Halloween. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, we're, we're interchangeable here and there, but we're more or less yeah. on the same page in regards to our feelings. It's a sliding scale, but I think it also says something about the series that we can be more or less aligned in where they're at and, be, and either of us are just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like as long as Halloween, the original is the first on your list, it yeah. makes and match the rest of them, really. <laughs> Who yeah. gives a shit? <laughs> really. I mean, other than like, like I said, I think, I mean, clear standouts to me, I, I think to both of us are, you know, um, Halloween 3 and then 2018 mm-hmm. Halloween. I mean, right. are like the clear next standouts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, well, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts before we we put a cap on on this Halloween? No, I I, I hope that this was a, a good uh, time for people to listen to. I know that we didn't beat by beat it or or go you know movie for movie like we did for the Friday Thirteenth franchise, but like don't have to like we've said you don't have to. I mean, at least with Friday the Thirteenth, you're talking about like you know the original. But then the second one was better than the original and the third one was kind of shitty, but it introduced some like fun elements that were used later. And then the fourth one is considered a peak. The fifth one was strange. The sixth one is considered a peak of the series. The seventh one is weird as fuck. The eighth one's awful. So like there's, there's a roller coaster. There's peaks and valleys and things and weird oddities to talk about from movie to movie. Whereas at some point in the Halloween series, you're either on a plateau or you are in a dead free fall of a terrible fucking movie. And it's just not fun to talk about or watch. So yeah, I would agree. No, I think that that was a good, good call. Uh, kudos to you. You mentioned that at the end of our last episode, you're like, should we go movie by movie? Uh, you're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, you know what? I agree. I don't think we have to. They've been <laughs> hard to death at this point. And it's just like, again, so many of them are just the same. That's, yeah. that's the problem. It's like so many of them are the same or they're like a stupid variation of the same um whereas like you said the friday 13th movies have variables and i'm sure we will someday tackle the nightmare on elm street series it is inevitable um at least all those movies are boundlessly creative we'll talk about each one of those yes they're boundlessly creative even the stupid ones are at least have something to say um but the halloween outside of the original outside of uh, the, the 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 you know i guess these sort of odd tourist ones the zombies and the the david gordon greens they're not that interesting to discuss really i don't nope. think um but I, I hope this was an interesting discussion you know chris and i are mostly on the same page i think chris is slightly warmer on halloween kills than i am but we're mostly in the the camp of it's interesting it's an interesting misfire mo- or, or yeah. moderate misfire like which is which we'll take We'll take that yeah. in a series of really, really bad movies. And I mean, like when I'm watching when I'm watching popcorn horror, that's just a, a big brute fucking people up and there's practical effects oh, and yeah. like good gore and good horror going on. Toss me my popcorn. I'm having a good time. So even in, in like the, the 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 pants shittingly stupid portions of the movie where I was just like, why is this happening? Where I was laughing out loud to myself at some of the lines uh, like <laughs> brackets he's turning us into the monsters yes which is like, people oh. start saying that Lori's like michael is a disease he yeah. spreads like a cancer or something and i was like yeah. we know we know the theme oh, of this movie is that the theme oh i get it now that's the theme like yeah I, I was i was i was blown away that they like then they said it multiple times of multiple characters they pretty much were spiking the screen and it's being like Michael caused all of this. Like, yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah, we can move on. Can we get back to him like breaking people in his half with his bare hands? Because that's at least fun. Can we go back to the fun part? (laughs) 
I, yeah, I would agree. I, I, that was the point where I'm like, I'm not going to say the movie, I'm not going to say I turned on the movie like like the mob in, in this film, but I was very much like, okay, now you think we're stupid and I, I'm not a fan of this because it was very not subtle in the first place. Right. So it was very easy to pick up on and now it's like hammering at home. But um, When you turned like, on the movie, did you stand up in the theater and say, Halloween kills dies tonight? <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, oh, take off into the lobby? No, I did not do that. And neither did the person who was behind me who fell asleep and was snoring loudly. So, <laughs> Well, at least they weren't having sex behind you like what happened when we saw Halloween 2018 in New York. <laughs> yeah, but it's always something. So I, I'm more... I don't know how what I'm more curious about of how Halloween ends actually ends or what like non-normal shit someone's going to be doing in the theater when I go see it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but uh, before we wrap this episode up, we're going to tease next week's episode, which we're finally going to get to this East meets West buddy action movie thing that we were rescheduled twice. We're just mm-hmm. going to finally do it. So, um, you know, unfortunately, spooky season is over. It lives on forever in our hearts. Yep. Um, and I'm sure we'll, you know, not save it till next October to do horror picks, but, uh, but yeah, no. we're going to switch to something different next week. So in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website at the You can subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anchor.fm, Google podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the good, bad, what, and you can email us at the good, the bad, the what at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost for any movies that we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online if this would choose? Yeah, if you so choose, you can find me on Twitter at THOChristo89 or I'm also on Letterboxd at C underscore THOM. And you can follow me on Twitter at Riley90. It's R-Y-O-L-L-I-E 90 or on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with East Meets West buddy action films. Totally. Totally.